First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't generate amusing holiday cards, but it will personalize career paths for your people and let you know which suppliers are best so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This is Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we work smarter instead of harder and dissect exactly how to get it all done. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. And I'm Fast Company Assistant Editor, Pavitra Mohan. This week, we're talking about dealing with mental health at work, whether you're an employee or a manager. So we're now about three months in into living and working in the COVID-19 pandemic, and likely everyone, no matter their circumstances, is feeling kind of anxious, stressed, burned out, and maybe even depressed. Definitely. As we've talked about in past episodes, the combination of not being able to leave the house and being cooped up with roommates or family all day, coupled with so much uncertainty around our health and financial well-being, is really like a perfect storm for mental health issues. And victims of abuse and domestic violence, for example, are especially vulnerable right now. And you know, folks with addiction issues may not be able to get the support that they need. So people are dealing with a, a lot in the moment. And I think some of us might find ourselves less stressed and anxious once the threat of the coronavirus subsides. But for other people, especially people who are grieving or facing unemployment, the impact could be really much more long-term. Yeah, and I, I think that that's important to to highlight is that no matter what your circumstances are, things are really hard right now. And I feel like whenever I want to complain about you know, the stress that I'm under or what's going on in my life, I feel like I always stop myself and I, I add a qualifier. Like, oh, I know other people have it so much harder than, than how I have it. And I think that a lot of us maybe have the tendency to do that because, you know, as you say, when you think about everything that's going on, you know, people losing loved ones without getting to say goodbye, people losing their jobs, people worried about feeding their families, you know, the doctors and nurses dealing with so much stress, you can feel really guilty complaining but it's really hard for, for everyone. And each, each situation that you're in, I, I want people to think about like each situation that you're in brings its own challenges. You know, living alone can feel really, really isolating. Yeah. I, spending this much time completely by yourself, even if you've never had any mental health struggles, can feel really isolating. Taking care of kids and, and trying to work full time, taking care of kids and losing your job, having marital problems, moving back in with your parents, all, any kind of situation that anybody is in right now doesn't preclude you to complain. I feel like, you know, it brings its own challenges and, and can be really, really difficult. And there was a recent report done by JAMA Internal Medicine where they looked at mental health issues post a big disaster. So something like after 9-11, between five and 10% of the population suffered major depressive disorders that, that month after. And if you think about it, this isn't the coronavirus that we're living through right now isn't one thing happened and we're dealing with the aftermath. We're still living in the crisis. Right, right. And, you know, as traumatic as 9-11 was, it's, it's a bit different from what's going on right now, where it's this continuous wave of just uncertainty and stress, and it's virtually impossible to avoid no matter what your circumstances. So I wonder how this is going to kind of impact people's mental health in the long run, because, you know, this is really going to come to a head if people don't get the help that they need. And I think accessing that care right now is 
really, really difficult for a lot of people who are either working essential jobs or are quarantined at home and just maybe are not able to get the help that they need. Yeah. And, you know, as a culture, we definitely have a long way to go when it comes to taking mental health seriously and breaking the stigma around, you know, talking to it. One thing about this on an individual level that, you know, we're starting to see progress, you know, maybe, but but it's small. And, and as you point out, COVID-19 has created a kind of perfect storm that exacerbates mental health issues. And most people are experiencing some sort of mental health struggle, though, though obviously some people are, you know, are more severe than others. And I think as a result, there's a lot more kind of willingness to talk about it, or it's, you know, it's just starting to, to, to kind of break where it's becoming okay to say that you're not okay. That being said, I, I feel like I'm only really seeing progress on an individual level and maybe not necessarily the same openness when it comes to the workplace because you know at work you have to have that kind of professional air and and you leave your personal stuff you know at home and it's it's one thing to tell your best friend that you, you that you're really struggling but it's a completely different thing to talk to to your boss or you know the people that you manage and now with people working at from home you know you don't necessarily want to have that sort of conversation over zoom it just makes an already awkward situation more awkward. Yeah, and and on the same token though, everybody's literally in your home now and so yeah. it's it's also harder to to create that barrier that the office used to have, you know, mm-hmm. where you could maybe leave all of your domestic struggles if if that's, you know, what your issue is, if you could literally leave that at home and go to a different place. Now you're in that as you're trying to work, you know. Yeah, yeah. So let's start looking at it kind of from the perspective of, of an employee first, because talking to your, your boss about mental health issues is something that's really intimidating. And I feel like in the current situation, it can, it can be even trickier because, you know, everybody may be kind of going through similar stress, but people's threshold for stress is really different and, and people cope with crises really differently. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there can be kind of a fear of judgment that maybe you are not handling your stress correctly, especially because we do have something resembling a collective experience right now. Um, You know, maybe you're looking at all of your other coworkers and you feel like they are getting by just fine, or they've found ways to, to deal with whatever stress they might be under. And so I think that makes it harder for people to kind of raise these issues in the workplace or, and this is something I certainly relate to, you might minimize your own struggles because you're constantly thinking about how much harder other people have it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's going back to that whole feeling of I don't have the right to complain because mm-hmm. I'm not under X Y Z of of a worse situation. Yeah, yeah. It it can be hard to determine, you know, what what your as you say, like what your threshold is. And one of our contributors and a former guest on the show, Art Markman, actually previously wrote a story about how to determine when you should take a mental health day. And I think that's a really helpful guideline for anyone, regardless of of what level of work they're at in the organization. I should preface it by saying, though, that the recommendation doesn't apply to somebody with like clinical depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety, but more more from people who are kind of at their like stress breaking point and suffer from kind of everyday stress. So what, what he suggests is that we think about what it is about our job that's really stressing us out and think about taking action that will benefit our future self. So kind of framing mm-hmm. it in that way. So for example, if there is a task that you're dread doing, you're kind of better at off tackling it 
now because otherwise will linger in the back of your mind and make you feel more stressed out. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like you need to take a break for, you know, whatever reason, he suggests you plan an activity that recharges you. Mm -hmm. So obviously that's more difficult to do right now, but it can still be things like go for a walk, take an hour where you turn your phone off and you're completely offline sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's something that has been difficult for a lot of people is not having those sort of natural breaks in the day or even having a commute uh, to kind of break up the day. And so, yeah, I think, you know, you can tackle projects around the house that you maybe find enjoyable and that might help you recharge. That's certainly one reason a lot of people have turned to baking in this time. I know there's a yeast shortage because everybody is bread making. Yeah. Yeah. And, And speaking of practical steps that you can take... It's time to press pause and get your pen ready because you might want to write this down. How to deal with mental health issues at work. Number one, identify your triggers. Sometimes it's easy to pinpoint the root of your mental health issues. For example, an external stressor like a global pandemic causes a disruption to your routine, which makes you anxious because it can feel like life is out of your control. Other times you might have to dig a little deeper. Maybe there are specific aspects of your job that you dread, or the number of meetings you're required to attend zaps far too much of your mental energy. When you know the cause of your stress, it becomes much easier to manage it when it rears its head in the workplace. Number two, figure out what you can change or what you can ask the company to change. A small change can go a long way. When you know what your external stressors are, you can figure out what changes you can make to manage it. For example, if too many Zoom meetings are draining your energy, you can see if you can make your meetings shorter or even better, identify when you're not critically needed. If you're stretched too thin, you can think about delegating if you have the power to do so, or ask your boss what you should prioritize and what you can complete later. Number three, don't shy away from getting professional help. Sometimes eliminating external stressors just doesn't cut it. When you find yourself in a prolonged state of stress, it's time to get the help of a professional. Chronic stress can have a negative impact on your quality of life and can also exacerbate physical health issues. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Whether you have had mental health issues in the past that have been made worse by the current crisis, or you're experiencing new challenges that are overwhelming you, or even if you're just stressed out and on the verge of burnout, the big question is, how do you begin to have that conversation at work? That's what we're going to talk about with our guest today. Alice Boys is a former clinical psychologist and the author of the Healthy Mind Toolkit and the Anxiety Toolkit. Thanks for joining us, Alice. Hello, nice to be here. So... We're obviously seeing a lot more discussion of mental health issues um, and, you know, how that's impacting people right now, but not necessarily as much about how to kind of navigate that in the workplace. So I'm I'm curious what you think about, um, you know, how workplaces can kind of expect for this to take a toll on their employees um, and how they can kind of navigate that. So the way, I mean, probably just sort of stepping back a little bit and thinking about the way mental health impacts work. So it really has quite a diverse range of, of implications for work. So for some people, they could be having 
quite significant mental health problems and it doesn't impact their work, like their work is kind of a, a refuge from it. For some people, the work domain is the primary context in which their mental health pro problems show up. So with the coronavirus stressor happening, that same sort of pattern will also be happening where for some people it's work as a refuge and for some people work as, as like a really significant source of stress that's contributing to their problems. How can, I think the, the biggest question that, that people probably have wherever they're, they're struggling, if they, they previously, you know, had a mental health issue or if this is new, a new mental health issue is coming up, or even if they're just feeling so much more stressed and anxious and overwhelmed and depressed than normal, I think a, a big thing that people have a hard time with, and I know I do too, is just talking about it at all, kind of, especially in a work setting and bringing it up in a work setting. And I think we kind of all default to, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. How do you recommend that people bring it up? I mean, either with their coworkers is one thing or with their, especially with their bosses and like what, what ways can people bring it up and, and when, especially does it feel like it becomes necessary to bring it up? Yeah. So that, that's a really great question. And, there has been increasing focus on stress and wellness and those kinds of topics in companies. And there's only just starting to be more of a focus on mental health specifically and separating that out from the general discussions around stress and wellness. So companies, especially in the US, are quite behind with that. So it really there needs to be some focus in the company generally on mental health. Like that should all be part of the onboarding process and managers should get some specific training about how to recognize different kinds of mental health problems that come up for people. Like, you know, what are the main different kinds of anxiety disorders? So anxiety disorders are the most common mental health problem that people have. Well, what are the different types of those? And also learning about some of the different types of accommodations that people can ask for. So with the, the law, people can ask for accommodations if they cite the reason being a mental health problem. And they can do that in a way that's using plain English. So you don't need to say, I've got panic disorder. You, you, you can just say, I'm having some mental health problems related to anxiety or something like that. And ask for an accommodation. And your employer has a duty to provide that, provided it doesn't cause an, an undue burden for them. And what are the the types of accommodations that people can ask? I mean, I, I that was news to me. I didn't know that you could you could say that you know to your employer. If if you're just feeling, which I think probably a lot of people are, like, oh my god, I can't I can't carry on anymore. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so like at my breaking point. What can you say and what should you say as far as like, how how do you word that and what you ask for? Yeah. So actually, if you just if people just Google Americans with Disabilities Act and mental health, there's actually some huge resources about and really easy to understand resources. So any manager could do that and any employee could do that uh, to get lots of examples of exactly what you asked, basically. And it really, there's heaps of examples that, that are very clear. And, and, and some, uh, there's things like there's a, a brochure that you can download, which you can take to family doctor or a mental health therapist with some guidance on if your employer asks for some more information to back up this accommodation that you're asking for like how to how the, the therapist or the doctor can sign like a uh, help put together like a limited release 
forms so that you know you're not disclosing things that are irrelevant to the situation and there's heaps of examples of the different accommodations that you can ask for and it's like some people take medication that like dries out their mouth so they might need more more water breaks when they if they're they work at say a supermarket checkout and they're not supposed to drink water while they're on on the job they might need an accommodation regarding that for some people it might be time shifting their work day to a little bit later for people with problems like adhd like adult adhd it might be working with their manager to help them break down big projects like they might find that they get overwhelmed by multiple instructions or things like that and asking for a mental health day so in new zealand where i'm from the, the concept of taking a mental health day is, is is much more widely known than it is in the u.s so that's also something to, that you can ask for as, as instead of saying I've got a migraine or I've got gastro or whatever as an excuse, like actually being able to say I need a mental health day. Yeah, I think one challenge to that point is that in this moment, especially people are maybe concerned about the security of their job. You know, people are getting laid off and furloughed. And I wonder if there might be a hesitance to bring up mental health issues um, given the circumstances uh, and, you know, worry that that might be another reason um, to maybe for an employer to lay you off or for an employer to, um, you know, take other actions against you. And so I'm curious what you think workplaces can do to kind of make clear that people can come forward with these concerns and just sort of give them room to have that conversation in the first place. Yeah. So all of this like stretches sort of far beyond coronavirus stuff. So the vast majority of people are too scared to bring it up. So it's a minority of people who are able to ask for an accommodation that they that they need. And the general research shows that when interventions are at the are more at the prevention end or early stage end, they tend to have better return on investment from from employers. So interventions at any stage to help employees have great return on investments for employers, but the earlier they are in the process, the, the better it is. So really it goes back to like creating a, a real company culture around that. So having like within diversity and inclusion, mental health is an important aspect of that. So senior people at the company talking about mental health struggles that they've had. So making that um, be something that is actively talked about and quite separate from stress and wellness. So the people knowing like who in the company to approach and having some examples, being given some examples of these are the these are the types of accommodations that you could ask for and, and that sort of thing. And it's, it is tricky because there is real stigma and bias out there. But the only way to break that down is by everybody becoming more open about it. And there's you know this link between sort of poor performance and or this idea that people with mental health problems are the underachievers is is just wrong. You know, the, the mental health problems are equally common in entrepreneurs, for example. So plenty of high achievers have these issues as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because that makes me think about, you know, the, the argument, the old school argument that people would make about parents taking parental leave and saying like, oh, well, they're a less dedicated employee. And it's that same sort of thing of like you wanted diversity amongst your staff of people with different backgrounds and different experiences. And that actually enhances the bottom line and makes and, and makes for a better business. And I think you're right that mental health is something that people haven't thought of in, in, a, in a diversity inclusion way, but it's incredibly important. And as you say, yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs and really high achieving people have, have mental health issues. I, I would love to hear you talk more about how, what leaders can do. I think you touched on it a little bit and you, and I love that you mentioned uh, um, taking a mental health day. Are there 
some sort of practical um, things like that, that that leaders and managers can take a first step in in trying to get their employees to to check in with themselves or to be more comfortable in talking about their mental health struggles? Yeah, so the first thing is modeling it. Like if, if leaders are confident enough, no, nobody including a leader should be forced to or is, or is allowed to be forced to discuss their mental health at work. But if leaders are comfortable doing that, like you're starting to see celebrities doing it a little bit more, like Michael Phelps talking about his depression and Lady Gaga talking about PTSD and things. But the more leaders in the, in the corporate environment talk about it, that's how you break down that, that stigma and association between uh, poor performance and... And mental health and it really is as i said it's like it's things like having information about mental health being part of the onboarding process and then being something that is brought up periodically to remind people about the options that they've got available to them it's about managers knowing signs to look out for uh it's it's just you know about having some clear processes around things it's about managers having some training for how to handle these kinds of situations so a good starting point, you'd say, for a lot of uh, managers and companies is just to kind of have some sort of training to understand what it is that people might be dealing with in this moment. Yeah, just 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 really, really basic stuff, like the rates of the different kinds of problems coming up so that you can see that. And then you can focus mostly on the, the more common things like anxiety and depression, but also maybe like just have a little bit of awareness of things like eating disorders. So for example, um, uh, accommodations around eating disorders might be things like somebody not being forced to always socialize uh, over food. Like, so it being okay for somebody to ask for a meeting that's a coffee meeting rather than a, rather than a lunch meeting, uh, which if someone's got an active eating disorder or just a past history of an eating disorder, that might be a lot more comfortable for them. Um, so just, yeah, just having a little bit of training will really change the company culture around being okay to ask for these things. So I want to address, you know, the kind of the elephant in the room, the, the reason why we're, we're talking about mental health right now. Um, how do you think COVID-19 crisis that we're all still actively working through will change the way that employers see mental health? Like, do you feel optimistic or, or pessimistic on, on this huge moment that we're, we're, is impacting all of us and how it will uh, change the way that employers think about mental health? I think there's a general trend toward mental health being the new frontier and diversity and inclusion. And I think that that's quite separate from what's going on with, with coronavirus. There is just so much that employers are dealing with at the moment in terms of all, in terms of keeping people sort of physically safe. And the tradition has been that physical safety is always prioritized ahead of emotional health. And that's not, that's not ideal, but um, that's kind of the way it is. And I, wouldn't really expect this to change that that general pattern but I do think in the background there is like a movement okay well we've been talking about stress and wellness it's become sort of more more okay to talk about stress and it needs to be more okay to talk about mental health specifically and we're kind of moving in that direction. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of the business case for diversity and how a lot of people have have tried to push uh, diversity and inclusion efforts by talking about you know, the case from a business perspective, you know, is there anything that you think would kind of help companies take these issues more seriously? Or it sounds like we're kind of headed in the right direction, but was there anything else you'd, you'd point to as maybe pushing companies to, you know, go further in that direction and take mental health issues seriously? Yeah. So what motivates companies bottom, the bottom line, right? And um, mm -hmm. that's, 
there's just an, there's an abundance of evidence of that. Like there's a Deloitte report on looking at the return on investment for different types of interventions. And it, it's very compelling. So, you know, it breaks down the issues in terms of, the, you know, the costs in terms of absenteeism or turnover. So people leaving jobs because they were excessively stressed out in that job or that it was having an excessively negative impact on their mental health. So the costs are just really clear and there's just there's just really clear evidence of, of getting great return on investment for interventions, especially at the, the front end of, of things. So thank you so much. That was Alice Boys, a former clinical psychologist and the author of the Healthy Mind Toolkit and the Anxiety Toolkit. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. So I found that really helpful. I really liked what she said. I had no idea that you, I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I had no idea that you could say, I need accommodations for these things and here's what accommodations I need. You know, I, I, I know. Empowering. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I did not know that either, but it makes sense when you think about um, like pregnancy accommodations, for example, I think it's, it's looked at similarly. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it makes complete sense, but I, I had no idea. So that was great to hear from her. I also liked what she said about how you kind of can go to a manager and frame issues that you're experiencing. Because I do think people, like you said, during our chat, people struggle to kind of bring up these issues with their managers. And I think, um, you know, saying like, these are the specific things I need and being able to kind of lay it out clearly, um, both is good in terms of providing the accommodations that you should legally have. But also I think it, it just makes it a bit easier to kind of talk about a subject that can be hard to broach. Yeah, it's like, the, I kind of feel like there's maybe there's like two steps to it. Like one, if you don't feel like you kind of qualify for a like mental health accommodation officially, like maybe your first step is some of those like practical things that she said about like, you know, I could not have meetings at this time or, you know, you start to broach it like that and you see kind of what the the responses from your manager and then maybe take it to the like I need official accommodations and here's why step after that I think right. maybe feels like a kind of more comfortable steps on the employee side to to speak to your managers and then I think on the manager side you know things like yeah just I, it was almost like just do a google like just figure yeah. out you know yeah exactly like figure out some of the common things that people you know are going through and kind of how you can can start to talk about them. And then even sometimes, you know, I've found as a, as being a manager that sometimes people don't want to talk about it, but if you just give them the open door to, to take what, take what they need, you know? So I remember an example, uh, a couple of years ago during Brett Kavanaugh's, uh, confirmation, and it was a really triggering time for a lot of people who had, had suffered from, you know, um, sexual assault themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's not something you want to talk to your boss about probably. No. Right. Yeah. So I just said to the staff, if you want to bow out of covering this, just bow out of covering this. You don't have to say why you just don't have to be in the slack room. You just like, you have a free anybody for any reason. You don't have to say it, just recuse yourself. You know, I right. think kind of doing that or doing, you know, as she said, like the mental health day saying, you know what, everybody take a day. You don't have to say why, you don't have to say whatever, just take a day off whenever you need to in the next month. You know, that sort of a thing as a manager can can help give your employees like the room to have the space they need without feeling like they have to explain something that's 
sensitive. Right. And I think for people for whom they're not sure that they necessarily, um, you know, qualify for accommodations, um, but they feel like they just need a, you know, a minute um, and need a day, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. which many people are experiencing right now. I think it helps uh, clarify some of that maybe gray area for, for people who perhaps don't have, uh, you know, mental health issues on, on a regular day, but are experiencing things right now specific to this moment. And then I also liked what she said about eating disorders, for example, because that was something I hadn't thought about. And I think especially right now when people are maybe eating on during a Zoom meeting or, you know, we've all sort of brought people into our home in this uh, mm -hmm. bizarre way right now. And I think thinking through what that impact might be on somebody who is experiencing that sort of a disorder um, is really important. So I like that she brought that up as an example, because it's something that I hadn't thought, of, thought about much. Yeah, for sure. I mean, think about like Zoom cocktail hours, like if yeah. you have a recovering alcoholic right. on your staff, you know, be, be aware of those sorts of things. Yeah, I think there's it's a whole new world to to in some ways it's a whole new world to to navigate but in other ways this these are all skills that we can transfer when things you know quote unquote go back to normal yeah and there's such a drinking culture in a lot of offices and you know the the typical thing to do is to go to a happy hour or to zoom happy hour so yeah i think it's important to think about these things even post covid um and how we can be more thoughtful and considerate so yeah, I think that was a really helpful thing for her to flag. And then also just thinking of this as another piece of diversity and inclusion initiatives, I think is is important because it does kind of get left off, I think, a lot of times of those sort of projects. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, about diversity and inclusion, what we talk about a lot of some of the, the most brilliant minds of the entrepreneurs who are the most productive, who are the most innovative, are actually sometimes people who struggle from mental health challenges too. That's all for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to Secrets of the Most Productive People wherever you listen. What questions do you have about being productive and staying sane during this uncertain time? Let us know by leaving us a voicemail at 833-582-FAST and we will find an expert to answer your question. Or you can tweet your question with the hashtag FCMostProductive or email us at mostproductive at fastcompany.com. Those are also in the show notes for this episode, along with related articles with resources for online therapy and mental health help. If this episode was helpful, please let us know. Leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Joshua Christensen.